Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and these are Daniel Howitt's interviews with the star from All Quiet on the Western Front, Felix Cramero, his co-star and the executive producer, Daniel Gould, producer, Malte Grunert, and composer, Volker Bertelman. Felix, Daniel, Malta, thank you so much for talking with me about one of the best movies of the year, All Quiet on the Western Front. I want to start with Felix. You've been in theater for years, but this is your first ever film role. And what a role to make your debut. Uh, you could have gone a little easier, I feel like, uh, just a simpler role. But this role is so extremely intense physically and emotionally so uh when you got the call that yes you were getting this role how did you start preparing yourself for such an intense role oh it was um that was something (laughs) because you know you get the phone call and they tell you uh, it was a a conference uh, phone call with malte and edwards burger our director and they called me to tell me i got the role and then i celebrated and then the celebration lasts for five seconds and um, then you realize oh god now i really have to do that (laughs) and the pressure builds up and um i started preparing um i prepared for about half a year and it was mostly physical training and on the other hand i watched many films from that time from the beginning of the 20th century um watched pictures and um listen to audio files from the time but what really helped me most was um there is an archive online with a lot of letters from the front from the first world war and i read around two and a half thousand letters from that time and it's amazing and heartbreaking if you read those letters and you see the handwriting of the people and the letters were censored and you get a taste of what it must have been to be a human in that time. I I actually remember just just a, just as a quick addition. I remember Felix giving me a call saying, "Listen, so I'll be so I'll be carrying a rifle most of the time, and I don't want to be distracted <clears throat> with handling that." So, and and that was probably like three months before we 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 went, all went to the Czech Republic, and he said, "Is there any way of getting me a rifle to Vienna?" so that I can just 
when I watch TV with my girlfriend in the evening, I can start sort of taking it apart and putting it back together. Um, and, and and we did send you a rifle. Yeah, it was really weird because it, they sent it to the theater because it might have been weird to send a, a rifle to a private person. <laughs> um, so they sent it to the theater and then I went to the theater <laughs> to the entry and um <laughs> there was a there was a box do you have a box for me yeah yeah what's in there oh it i think it's just some kind of i don't know <laughs> i went back and then there was a rifle on my sofa for three months and i was sitting there watching news and uh series just building it up putting it back together and it really helped to get used to it and get into a routine where it's some kind even it feels like an extension of your body did you practice like walking around town did you raise raise alarms with having (laughs) (laughs) because you know in europe uh, or especially in in austria it's not really common to see people with uh, guns so um, i would have raised some alarm there (laughs) oh there's weirdo again the the weirdo with the rifle (laughs) Well, Malta, I understand uh, that it was it was you, it was your your partner who first suggested Felix for this role. And I know you auditioned hundreds still, uh, but what made you certain that Felix was the right person for such a demanding role? Oh, I had um, my my uh, I mean, my wife, she was working in Vienna at the theater and she um, and 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 she had also seen uh, Felix in uh, in drama school sort of and, and suggested that he became part of the ensemble in, in Vienna. And then. And, and she kept on talking about this fantastic young actor. And and I went to see Felix on stage and um, he clearly had a uh, sort of presence on stage, um, sort of even in his first year among, you know, playing among sort of seasoned stage veterans and and having taking the same space and having the same authority and and the same visibility so so to me his his incredible talent was was obvious and um and i actually sent a picture of felix very very early to edward who was still working on on adapting the script into a german version and i said here i think this is you know this could be paul boimer um and so so Edward had it on his screen um or or next to his screen as he was as he was writing and to me I just never had I just never had a question really and I remember sort of Felix had a premiere um of a production in Vienna and um and I went sort of backstage um and uh, in his dressing room and we were sort of sitting there and chatting after the premiere and and I said I, I I want to be cautious and sort of you know not be so, but watch this space. There might be something coming your way, and um, and I, and I couldn't be happier that it actually worked out. And that I mean, sort of. And then Felix came to the auditions, and it was sort of then it became clear to everybody else who hadn't seen him. This book has obviously been adapted a number of times, um, mm-hmm. but this is the first time that it's been adapted in German. Why why do you think it's taken almost a hundred years for this for this book to be uh, adapted for German audiences? Well, I mean when it was adapted for the for the very first time, obviously it was only three years later that the book was um was was banned in Germany and you know and burnt. Um 
And and then one thing in 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 sort of in in German's perspective on history is that the Second World War really overshadows um, World War One, and unlike sort of you know France and 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 the UK have a slightly different perspective, they they do see the relationship of the two wars and basically see it as one ongoing conflict much clearer than Germans. I mean, sort of um, for, for Germany, the the shame and guilt about the atrocities of World War II are so overpowering that um, that does stand in the way of of looking at World War One and and um, and and how this European catastrophe actually started. Um, but and, and and I think that's one of the reasons why why the why sort of a film about World War One wasn't really on the forefront of um, of of the thoughts of many people, um, and that is also the reason why <clears throat> why we felt that this additional sort of story strain about the armistice negotiations and um, and and Daniel's role as Matthias Erzberger was such a a worthwhile addition to to the novel because that actually does connect uh, World War One to the rise of fascism in Germany and um, and and sort of and and is a leading sort of leads into into the next disaster which comes only you know a decade a decade and a half after after the end of World War One. Yeah, yeah, and. and... Daniel, you've made a number of war films, but what made All Quiet on the Western Front stand out for you, not only to star in, but also executive produce? Um, I guess it's the uh, the quality of the book that it's based on. Um, the, um, the essence of it being really, truly uh, an anti-war tale that is still so powerful and timeless when you read it. The language is very modern. It touches you, it moves you, it... it um, uh, it impresses you. You you can't help it. It's, it's one of the books that uh, at school you really wanted to read. You didn't feel uh, as a student that you would force you you were forced to read it, and it uh, you wanted to reread it. And so did I in my twenties. Um, also, my my father was a documentary filmmaker. He had done a film about Remark, and I remember when he was working on it that we discussed it also at home, and 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 I got so interested in that in that writer. Um, um, and so uh, to me, it was a no brainer when uh, Malte uh, called me and said, "Well, there's a new adaptation, but we should do it in 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 German and tell it from our uh, perspective." And it was a learning process for me, too, because um, I did not know that much about uh, Matthias Erzberger, to be honest. And I don't remember that at school we discussed that uh, intensely, you know, what what uh, the the um, the importance of that man in German history and, and, and politics. It was an admirable figure, uh, a guy from the from the uh, south, uh, provincial politician, a devoted Catholic Christian with a strong morality and values and, and convictions. And he um, climbed up the ladder and ended up in 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 Berlin, being a very important um, uh, minister and being targeted throughout his career uh, because he was opposing against, for example, the colonial politics of the German Reich, um, and never got intimidated. Um, 
and to portray this guy who is um yeah the only human voice there in on that on that train and it's so shocking to see that these couple of men are deciding of the fate of these thousands of young men you know and most of them not willing to 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 give in and to 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 finally uh put an end to that madness did you feel it was important to do research to prepare for your role or did you more rely on what was on the page no 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 i i read the biography of this man because again as i told you i i didn't i didn't know that much so um and um yeah and what i found uh wonderful about working with edward is that he took the same you know um focus and energy and um and concentration after having spent so many weeks and months on the on the battlefields and shooting these highly complicated action epic scenes to then go to the train but you could tell that this was as important every single detail so it it took it was the longest shooting days and you would think well that must be an easy thing for him to then go to the train and have a couple of men sitting around and you know talking about the peace treaty but no it was um uh it uh it 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 took very long because he wanted all possible angles uh you know different uh different uh takes and performances so he was really um um you know you we would we would explore the the importance of 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 you know of of this moment and then it made you think it is a crucial moment in European and world's history. And, and that is so well depicted and, and captured by, by, by Edward, you know, in this claustrophobic atmosphere that he, uh, you know, showed in these, in these scenes. So it was, yeah. Well, Felix, like we said, it's your first, first role, but there are so many talented uh, veterans working on Daniel included, of course. Was there any uh, advice that you receive, uh, whether from other actors or someone else that you took into this project that you feel like really, really stuck with you? I think it's the whole process um, in a, in a total. It really, because I, I had no idea about nothing on a set. I did not know what a focus puller, puller was. I did not know what, what a mat box is, what a, a flag is. All these, this vocabulary was completely new. And it's quite tricky to work on a movie if you get the, uh, um, you know, the director says, go nearer to uh, the, <laughs> and you don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, you don't know where to go. And um, my colleagues, I mean, um, sadly, I had no scene with Daniel, but um, my colleagues from the trenches, um, they really helped me to to learn everything and to get used to it. And um, that was just, I'm really grateful for them. Well, one one last question before I let you all go. Of course, All Quiet on the Western Front was selected as Germany's submission for the Academy Awards. Um with such a, a grueling production and 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 classic source material, what does it mean for each of you to kind of be selected to represent German cinema this year uh, to that degree? It it makes me very proud, especially given the history of the of the original film. It's um, the first film was was made at a time when there was still a very close connection between German filmmaking and Hollywood you know sort of the uh, it was Karl Lemle Jr who produced the first one whose father um, a German Jew had founded Universal Pictures 
um, there was a clear conversation uh, across the ocean. Um, it's sort of Hollywood then became a, a place of refuge for um, German writers, uh, screenwriters, uh, directors, actors that that sort of were escaping being killed in in Germany, and and sort of to come to come here, sort of being well now submitted, hopefully shortlisted, possibly nominated. Um, is sort of if if you put it in that context and that tradition, it's just you know it 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 makes me very proud and it sort of and then fills me with joy and I hope that we can sort of that that our film stands up to that. Yeah, well, I wish I wish the film was less relevant than it is. Uh, I mean, when we shot the film, we could not foresee that now there's a war in the middle of Europe. Um, so that's why the film is so important and the fact that it gets this recognition and that it's so visible um yeah is um makes me very happy i have to say that it reaches uh you know uh, wide audiences that young people um watched it and 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 will watch it you know to to remind everyone of uh the horrors of uh, war and what the film shows very well is, you know, that war is not a cool adventure. Um, war is devastating and war is death. And um, this is what this film is is about. Awesome. Well, Daniel Felix, Malta, thank you so much again for your time and for this incredible film. I truly love it. One of the best of the year. Thank you again. Thank you very much. Wieder mehr als 40.000 Tote allein in den letzten Wochen. Es ist vorbei. Im Namen der Menschlichkeit, ich bitte Sie um den Waffenstillstand. Vous avez 72 heures pour accepter nos conditions. Ich werde nicht kapitulieren. Meine Mutter wollte nicht, dass ich in Krieg ziehe. Ich wollte Ihnen zeigen, dass ich das kann. Ach, Paul. Ja, wenn wir nach Hause kommen. Ich vermisse meine Kameraden! Schließen wir Frieden. Das ist ich hab Angst vor dem, was kommt. Du musst jetzt tapfer sein. Für die, die es nicht geschafft haben. Für uns alle. Thank you so much for chatting with me about All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, I last spoke to you for Ammonite, so it's good to speak with you again. Yes. So when you first came onto the project, this is your this is your fifth project now uh, with Edward. Mm -hmm. What did Edward tell you he was looking for in the music when you guys first started talking about this project? Mm -hmm. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. 
Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, you know, we um, we went. I went to Berlin and uh, met uh, Edwards, um, and in the cinema, we watched the whole first cut, which was already very close to a final cut, and uh, we didn't speak much about it. We was we were just like because the film had already such an impact on on me by watching it, and uh, there was already a lot of. Um, things clear in terms of what the film needs uh, in terms of you know uh, having a lot of battlefield scenes but also having very emotional uh, moments so in a way it was was clear but uh, what edward said to me is um, and that was maybe unusual in comparison to the other projects he said to me i really want to have something from you that you have never done which was a little you know it was quite a weight on my shoulders but i think it's very very helpful specifically when you work already on a, a multiple um, uh, projects together um it's always good to be challenged because otherwise you think like oh yeah that's an old hat so i can just do it on a, you know with my left hand in a way you know um and so he challenged me and uh, i think that was very very good because i went um after the screening i went straight back home and uh while I was driving back, I was thinking I had a couple of thoughts, which I really um, tried to, you know, put in on the first drafts that I sent. One was I need some like a, I need a melody that is a kind of fragment that is just like very small that I can change or that I can move without a grid. So I, I'm very flexible in putting it in areas where the music can be heard. Um, and the other thing was that I wanted to have an instrument from that time from around 1917 and i wanted to or i wanted to find something on 1918 so i wanted to find something that was at least played at that time already and um so i went back home and um i found some answers that's amazing in that in that first screening did he have temp music in there already yeah there was a but the temp music was very you know not not known it was not like scores from other films it was, was much more atmospheres things where i had the feeling oh, okay they won't hear some more quiet and distinct things um there was also a kind of sound that that helped me with some you know some cues in the film they have a filter i filtered music very strongly so they sound a little bit like you have your um you know you have a, your ears are not working properly um, so I, it's a cutoff cutoff filter. So you, I put, I took all the high frequency off. It sounds a little bit like music that you hear on the blanket in a way, you know. You, um, and I thought that that was working very well with, you know, these soldiers that are in a kind of very, um, I mean, that their ears must be totally damaged by the loudness of the explosions. And when they are then suddenly in a in a quiet moment, or they lie in somewhere where they feel safe maybe then the reality appeared uh, like a kind of damped um, sound. So I, I used that in some in some music. Mm. What was the instrument from 1917, 1918 that you found? It, it was the, the uh, harmonium from my grand grandmother. And actually, that was I, I got that as a present because someday my mother called me and she said, um, 
Do you have some some use for a harmonium from uh, your grand grandmother? It's it's actually now they want to throw it away, and I said, no, of course, no, don't throw it away, please. Uh, um, wait and so I, I picked it up uh, in a small village in Germany and it was mainly used for singing for accompanying Christian uh, chorals uh, like Bach chorals so um, I, I brought it back home brought it back to Dusseldorf and I uh, refurbished it and that was sitting in my studio already for a while and when I came home I, th I felt maybe that's a good instrument because it's also it has this melancholic kind of sadness about it but it's also quite raw and it has a lot of you know machine like sounds because you hear the cracking of the wood and the, you have to work on the paddles that means like there, there's a, an airflow inside of it and it made it already very organic yeah i was going to ask you about the use of of instruments from the time because uh, i definitely feel so often with period pieces composers try to make the the music sound of the period to a degree. And I, something I found interesting about your work here is that there are moments of these kind of bursts of, of score. Uh, maybe that's an ineloquent word for it. But no. um, that sounds, I don't know if it is electronic, but it sounds electronic. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't sound of the period. And that's why I think it's so effective. What What made you land on those kind of bursts of sound? Yeah, because it's I, I used in a way um, which I, I mean you know maybe that I'm uh, I'm my records are done with a prepared piano, so I'm using a lot of you know um, elements on the instrument on the strings. I put like let's say a, a full bag of ping pong balls on the strings, and they start to jump, and then you create you create the texture on top of what you're playing. So in a way, that thought is in a way always there when I'm working because I'm trying to find sounds that are have a randomness to it and they they who are actually beyond the sound that you know from an instrument are creating some textural content that in a way you know where you just think like what is this and um so i used of course um the harmonium i i put the sounds of the harmonium through a very heavy distortion and i boosted the bass and i i worked a, a little bit with the analog instrument like an electronic instrument mm. but it's there's no electronic source it's just the and that makes it um you know that makes you questioning it, it what is this is that a synthesizer? Because normally a synthesizer you would hear, but because it's a harmonium that is distorted, suddenly you're like, what, what is that? I haven't heard something like that. And because it sounds like a war horn, nearly the first sounds, you know, and very aggressive, you think that this must be a humongous instrument. But it's actually, I have a, a little um, Instagram uh, video. I made that with uh, exactly what I played through the distortion but I, I it's without the distortion and then you're like okay that is doing that and, and it sounds pretty thin when you play it by itself um, and the other thing is all the bursts of um, uh, contra basses um, the bursts of um, uh, drums I worked with a fantastic contra bass player from uh, from Berlin uh, Jair um, Klotman and he's a um, his way of um, playing contrabass is extremely wonderful because he builds these kind of textures. He has a kind of very seldomly way of recording contrabass. So I asked him to to um, to send me a lot of like these kind of snap sounds or snare like drum sounds, and all the the drums in um, 
in the war scenes are all made with a contrabass. Wow. So there's no there's no drum in there. It's actually all the bass drums are done by a muted contrabass. And um, sometimes I, I put like rubbish on uh, on a Grand Casa. And then when you, when you hammer on the Grand Casa, then all the things are flying up and they come down. So you have like this, you know, this burst afterwards. So you have here you hear the boom and then, you know, when everything falls down. So. I don't know if I described it well with my uh, with my uh, with the sound of my mouth, but it was uh, similar like that. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, so much of this film is about removing any romanticism about the war. And, you know, mm. there's no heroes here. There's no beauty. Uh, mm. I, there, there are there are beautiful moments in the film, but it, but it's it's not about beauty. There's removing beauty from the war, right? Mm -hmm. And how did this lack of beauty? or not wanting to romanticize this picture mm. at all how did mm. that affect the way you approached music which is often so so beautiful mm -hmm. well it's it's you have to find a very um sensitive way of um, implementing something that in in a way gets deep under your skin without being um kitschy or you know uh, and the, the the problem with that is that um or the, the way i tried it is to not have two complex melodies um, and also using a lot of time for you know for phrases because if you are starting to make the melodies too dense it becomes always a little bit like an old school way of um, of writing uh, music to film which i i really love in certain period pieces or when you have like a lot of costumes and it's very fancy you know i, I really like that there's some that there are melodies and it's very nicely arranged i tried and i mean maybe you you sense that I, I used actually this first bass motif which was you know the opening i used that in every piece of the music it's just everywhere there but it's sometimes very highly played with a very fragile violin and it's a like a um, um, you know a, a extension of this this three note theme that's you know it's getting longer in a way where I have the, the space for it but a lot of times I just try to keep it very minimal and by using filters and you know methods that are not bringing the brightness and the the directness of a of the music directly into your ear and you're like la 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 you're, you're humming with it then um the music becomes nearly like a character of the of the landscape in a way it's much more like a landscape and that helps um, making it not too kitschy it gives more an atmosphere of warmth or of hope or you know there's one scene where the where the girls appear in the background and i used the choir there but you i could have like it very angelic uh, and very full-on you know but I, I used just one I asked one um, lady from London who is very well known for extremely high voices and very clear voices. And I felt like maybe one voice is enough just to give them, yeah, to give them a thought of, oh my God, I, I would love to go home and I would love to see my girlfriend or, you know, a female person because uh, there's uh, the whole film is there's no female person besides those uh, two women in there. Yeah, I also like a phrase you used to describe the 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 sounds of the beginning, like a war horn. Mm. How intentional did you think of it as you described it as a character, right? It's almost mm. this distant calling. Is that was that what you wanted it to sound like? Were you trying to create this this sort of war horn that's beckoning throughout the film? 
Yeah, absolutely. I, that was actually the first thing I did when I came home from the first screening. On the next day, I sat down with the harmonium, so I knew the instrument. I just played these three notes, and I was like, this is exactly it. And it sounded so fat on my speakers that I was like, yes, you know, <laughs> I wanted to stage dive after that. But uh so when I when I finished that, uh, I sent that to Edward. And you know, that is always a critical moment. Um sometimes you wait I wait quite a while to send things out because I'm <clears throat> I'm not so sure if that works as a as an idea and then i, I want to sit with it a, a little while with this one i was pretty sure that it for me it is the idea that i want to use but i had to send him it straight away because i felt if i'm sending it and he says no then the whole idea concept of using a harmonium maybe fails and uh, the first thing he, he called me uh, the next day and uh, i think his family was in the background and he said like we're sitting here and we're listening to this piece it sounds like led zeppelin fantastic and, and we were like yeah okay great you know and so we called always when we were talking about the film he always said maybe we can use here the led zeppelin and over there we can use uh, so he was using these band names for which i really love because it expressed uh here we can actually go full-on wild and here we should be very discreet or very very um you know very like um fragile in a way yeah yeah and there's also lots of stretches uh with no music um yeah. i think that's that's something amazing here is that a, a lot of restraint I, th I think of even in really emotional moments for instance towards the end when when cat is shot and mm -hmm. paul is trying to save him and, and uh, he eventually dies there's no music throughout that entire sequence except for right at the very end is when the score comes back in so mm -hmm. what made you hold back in those moments and how involved was edward in in kind of that process Oh, he was a, a big involvement. I mean, that is always a thing where I think the composer and the director have to be have to have an understanding, um, a clear understanding how they want to work with each other in terms of, you know, using music. And I have to say, uh, I'm very glad about, uh, you know, that there is an, a will of having just the actors play their game and, and just have them acting and just hear the sound of the real nature uh, you know and um, i mean that in that when he gets shot it's like you just hear the, the the leaves and the wind and you and he's looking up in the sky and you feel like oh he's maybe that's maybe the most peaceful moment for him you know and i think that when you start to describing every single emotion every mo like moment with music it loses a lot of the um, the strength and the um, I would say the you you're losing it in a way as a as a composer you you suddenly are you know you you have to keep up with the emotions and then you start maybe making mistakes because you're starting to write suddenly very weird melodies and you know then you start like giving the action some elements so I think um, it was a very clear decision. And um, I, I, I'm very glad about that because breaks uh, are important in music, as we know in uh, you know in uh, compositions. You need silence as well. Uh, well, again, Volker, thank you so much for your work on this movie. It's amazing. I love your score. I'm always curious to hear what other composers, what scores they admire. So I was just curious if there's uh, other film scores recently that you've been listening to, admiring that you just uh, enjoyed. 
Yeah, I was actually listening on my flight to LA. I was listening to the score of Everything Everywhere at Once, I think. It's, yes, I, think I just a, talked to those guys. Yes. It's a group, Son Lux. I yes. really like them. Um, they are actually on the same label as me in, in mm -hmm. Berlin called City Slang. And uh, I'm not saying that because they're on the same label. I just found recently out uh, because I heard the music and I was like, what is this? And then I talked to the to my uh, to the boss of my label, and he said, "What are you talking about? They are on your own label." And I'm like, "What?" So I really loved love that one, and um, I also um, uh, like um, I mean the the um, women talking with Hildur. I like that as well. I'm a big fan of um, you know of music that is in a way as well a part of the artistic approach that is not only music that is a you know in a way fulfilling the music role that is also like having that there's an idea behind it um, and uh, I, these two are appear, appearing to me very uh, very strongly that's great awesome yeah. well again thank you so much thank you for your time and uh, best of luck with the film thank you so much Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Daniel Howitt's interviews with the star from All Quiet on the Western Front, Felix Kramerer, his co-star and the executive producer Daniel Bruhl, producer Malte Grunert, and composer Volker Bertelman. All Quiet on the Western Front has been nominated for the Golden Globe for Best Foreign Language Film and is up for your consideration for Best International Feature at this year's Academy Awards. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Grown up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days being a grown up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, I think that was good enough? I, I hope so, man. I'm tired. <laughs> who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I, I, I've never done it. <laughs> I know, right?